Welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice and the sporting sponsor of Oncofarm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. I'm recording this on October 1st, 2020. My favorite month of the year uh, is October. Uh, it is Epic Go Live Day uh, for us at my institution. I know what you're wondering. How are you recording this if it's Epic Go Live? Well, one of the perks of academia is... I'm off service this month. So I am checking in from time to time, uh, just orienting myself, uh, which allows me uh, the privilege to talk to you today about two uh, lung cancer studies regarding immunotherapy, uh, which, you know, happen almost every other day, it seems. Uh, so let's first talk about Empower 110, which was published um, yesterday. Uh, the date will be today, I think, in the New England Journal of Medicine. So this is first-line treatment of metastatic non-small cell lung cancer with atizolizumab or chemo. And the first thing you're probably thinking is, who are these people that would just be getting chemo instead of chemo plus immunotherapy? And that's that's the correct assessment. So a bit of an outdated study. In fact, it was so outdated when they were designing this that they actually had to amend their protocol and exclude patients who had EGFR and ALK mutated disease uh, because uh, they started enrolling people before we, we really learned uh, that uh, immunotherapy really has no effect or very little effect in those who have activating mutations of EGFR and ALK. So uh, they had originally 572 patients, 18 of those, they, they, they ex they're in like the safety population but not in the, the primary efficacy population. Now these are all patients who are pdl one positive. Now as we've talked about on the pods uh, in the past, pdl one positivity is in the eye of the beholder. It's in the eye of the assay. And each, ass each drug has their own assay. So the, the way the atizolizumab folks designed this study is pdl one positivity was one of two criteria. Either uh, more than, greater than or equal to 1% of tumor cells express pdl one or greater than or equal to 1% of the immune cells, the tumor-infiltrated immune cells, express pdl one So either pdl one on the tumors, or the immune cells at least 1%. That's what you had to do to get enrolled in the study. That was the inclusion criteria. And they were randomized to either a tizolizumab, 1,200 milligrams, uh, five dose, right, every 21 days, or chemo. And chemo was dependent on histology. So if you had a non-squamous histology, so mostly adeno, and about 80-75% of folks had adeno, which is what you would expect for a, a large uh, sample size of non-small cell lung cancer. They got platinum, and Pemetrex said, Followed by pemetrexid maintenance uh, at uh, the treater's discretion. That's not in the study, but it is in the protocol. It's not in the publication in the New England Journal of Medicine, but it is is in the protocol, which is appropriate. Uh, or um, if you had squamous disease, you got platinum gemcitabine. It's a very similar design to Keynote uh, 24, which was Pembro lizumab versus chemo in people who had PDL1 uh, expression of 50% or more on tumor cells. And that was from New England Journal of Medicine in, in 2016. A uh, little different there in the chemo population for the squamous folks, they could have gotten platinum gem or platinum taxane uh, as well. Um, so most of these folks were in their 60s, 75% uh, European, mostly Caucasian, only 3% North American, which, which may be relevant here for the states. Um, and they had a, a, a hierarchical testing, um, which was first they were going to look at PDL1 high patients. So patients who had the highest expression of PDL1, that was the first test they were going to do for overall survival. The next test would be high and intermediate PDL1 expression, and the final uh, test uh, would have been all patients who were PDL1 positive. Essentially, the whole population that was EGFR and alkyl type after amendment. So for that first 
um, first protocol-based test looking at patients with high PD-L1 expression. This is uh, defined in the study as 50% uh, or more tumor cells express PD-L1, similar to the PEMBRO approval for single-agent treatment in these patients, or 10% or more PD-L1 expression on immune cells, so tumor-infiltrating immune cells. So it's a little bit more uh, of a, uh, a wider net, so to speak, to find these folks who are PD-L1 positive because it looks not just at PD-L1 expression on tumor cells, 50%, but also tumor-infiltrating tumor immune cells, 10% or more. And this is like one-fifth or one-sixth of the whole population, right? So they had 572 patients total. Take out the 18, you're at about 550 or so. Uh, and this is about 200 patients total. So 100 per arm to atizolizumab or chemo. Uh, so the, the median overall survival was 13 months for chemo versus 20 months with atizolizumab. So a median uh, benefit of seven months at uh, if you just look at median overall survival, which is not the best thing to do, uh, hazard ratio was 0.59, comes from 0.4 to 0.89, p-value 0.01, which was statistically significant, and this was an interim analysis, I believe. Uh, if you look at the 6-month and 12-month overall survival rates, 6 months, 76% versus 70%, so modest benefit at 6 months. Uh, with the tizolizumab. At 12 months, it is 65% uh, versus 51%, so a delta of about 15%, 14, 15% improvement in one year overall survival with immunotherapy in PDL1 high patients. Now, uh, this is strikingly similar to what we saw with Keynote 24. And JCO in 2019 published a, a longer follow up where the 12 year median overall survival uh, was 70%. Uh, versus 55%, which is a delta of 15% uh, as well. Now, there are some differences in, in who in the chemo group crossed over uh, to receive chemo. There appears to be more crossover to immunotherapy uh, in the chemo group in the pembrolizumab study in keynote than in the atizolizumab study. Only about 30% uh, at most uh, crossed over to receive atizolizumab or crossed over to receive immunotherapy. There was no crossover allowed to uh, atizolizumab. Um, and 18% of patients on uh, the chemo arm after progression got chemo instead of any immunotherapy, which is substandard care. You can't you can't do that. Um, so uh, you know one of the, the you know the study doesn't add a whole lot, right? So you're comparing a tizolizumab uh, versus chemo. You see about the same benefit as Pembro versus chemo in a high PDL1 positive. Uh, population. Uh, the thing that's kind of new here is th the way they define PDL1 high positivity by looking at immune cells. So you might have some patients who, uh, let's say you got somebody with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, they don't have an activating mutation you can target with the TKI, and they're right, they're like ECOG2. And you could get away with chemo plus immunotherapy, but I really think I feel better if this patient just did immunotherapy. I think the patient would rather just take, uh, you know, Pembro or Tizolizumab. And let's say their their PDL1 uh, tumor cell score is like 10%, but their immune cell score is above 10%. Now it looks like you could do a Tizolizumab, uh, and therefore you wouldn't be able to do Pembrolizumab. Of course, does that matter? Does does that matter? Does the test matching the drug matter, or could you get the same benefit one way or the other? Uh, Remains to be seen. We're still in the um, the early adolescence or even the, the late childhood stages of using immunoth immunotherapy and, and testing for for PDL one. Um, uh, you know, I'll also uh, note if you are really really interested in how to test for PDL one. That's more than I can get into kind of on this episode. But there is a lot of information 
uh, in this publication about different assays. So they actually took some tumor samples and they tested them two and three different ways for PD-L1 positivity. They, they show those Venn diagrams. If you love Venn diagrams, you can see uh, what the concordance is or discordance, depending on how you look at this data. There's also a lot of information looking at tumor mutation burden as well, uh, trying to find the best way to predict patients uh, with uh, atezolizumab. Uh, so that's kind of the crux of this. So we see, you know, this overall survival benefit, despite maybe some substandard care in the control arm, um, uh, in those patients with high PD-L1 positivity. Uh, if you look at the high and intermediate, uh, so a larger group of folks, but not totally enriched with high PD-L1 positive patients, you don't see an, a statistically significant overall survival benefit. It looks that way, but they don't have enough alpha after they're spending with the analysis to see that. And then, of course, then they did not test for the whole population. So it doesn't add a whole lot uh, here to what we to what we already know. Um, and again, um, you see the same trend that we see when you randomize chemo to immunotherapy. You see a crossing of the curves early on where the chemo arm uh, does better than the immunotherapy arm. And in this case, the curves cross. I think it's it's a little early. It's like three to four months. Um, so they, they do cross initially. Again, in my mind, arguing for a chemo plus immunotherapy as being probably what we should do for these patients. So even if you had somebody uh, who was ECOG2, if they could tolerate chemo plus IL, you're probably going to do chemo plus immunotherapy. Now, the protocol, as is the case for many protocols with immunotherapy, does allow for investigators to continue immunotherapy, in this case, atizolizumab beyond progression. And so now I want to talk about Checkmate 153, which was published uh, about three weeks ago in JCO. And uh, this is looking at 250 patients, and this is a phase 3B-4 study. Okay, so some of this is after drug approval. 250 patients with previously treated metastatic non-small cell, non cell lung cancer who got nivolumab as subsequent therapy. Um, and they got it for a year. And then after a year of nivolumab therapy, they were randomized one-to-one -to, -one to either stopping nivolumab or continuing nivolumab for up to three years total duration. Uh, so this is looking at... Uh, and this is the first one that I've seen like this uh, in non-small cell lung cancer, looking at is there any benefit to stopping the drug after they've had a year of it versus longer duration therapy, in this case, three years, in patients who were doing okay on the drug. Um, so about 250 patients, and what they, they, they found is that both the overall survival and progression-free survival was better in the patients who got nivolumab uh, for three years versus just one year. Um, uh, they looked at a couple different uh, type. They, they looked at this a couple different ways. The first was in the intent, intent to treat analysis. That 125 patients in either arm, Nevo one year, Nevo three years, um, and they looked at it in what they called the progression-free survival cohort. These were folks who did not have progression progressive disease. So uh, this is 85, uh, roughly 85 to 90 in each arm. So there are about 40 patients in the intention to treat analysis who are receiving nivolumab after disease progression. And of course, there are different types of disease progression events. So let's say you have disease, uh, just put it simply, you have disease in your lung and disease in your bones. You get an immunotherapy and uh, the disease in your lung shrinks or you have stable disease, and then you have a new lesion in a bone somewhere. So you have progression of disease in a bone. Maybe it's an isolated met that you could uh, radiate um, palliatively 
that person, you know, their primary disease has been controlled with immunotherapy, but they did have a progression event because of a new lesion, uh, then it may make sense to continue immunotherapy in this patient. So this looked at uh, patients, all the patients getting Nevo uh, one year versus three years, or just those who did not have that progression um, and continuing nivolumab after progression. Um, but they were they still saw an overall survival benefit in both cohorts. Um, it was modest here, and the confidence intervals are wide. So the, the hazard ratio for overall survival was 0.62 in the intention to treat analysis. That's all patients. 0.62. It was 0.61 if you looked at those who, who did not have progression uh, with NEVO. And these confidence intervals go from 0.42 to 0.92 in the intention to treat, and 0.37 to 0.99 in the progression-free survival cohort. Take them there. Wide confidence intervals. So we're not maybe all that confident how much of that benefit there is. Um, the authors do state that patients treated beyond progression seem to derive overall survival benefit, and that's, I think, based on the fact that the hazard ratios for overall survival are similar. The Kaplan-Meier curves for overall survival look similar uh, as well. Um, however, when you look at the forest plot, the patients who had either a complete response or a partial response definitely derived the most benefit from three years of NEVO versus one year, uh, which is kind of what we know. If you're receiving immunotherapy and you have a great response, uh, you're probably going to do better. And it does seem that there is benefit to continuing that to three years. Now, the next question is, does that mean indefinitely? Is there a time uh, at which, you know, continuing treatment beyond three, four, five, or whatever years it would be, there is no longer benefit? I'm not sure we'll ever get a randomized study that does that. So this may be the best that we have. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of the bisphosphonate data. Um, you know, beyond two years, we maybe don't have great randomized studies of what to do with continuing that. So does this mean more is better with immunotherapy? Well, probably. Uh, but I, I will say this is an older study. Uh, this was immunotherapy in at least the second line. These patients don't exist anymore. Everyone gets immunotherapy up front. There's not, you're not going to see patients uh, very often anymore who did not get immunotherapy in the first line setting, uh, you know, either alone, uh, like we talked about with, with Pembro and Keynote 24, uh, or Tizolizumab with Empower 110 based on those metrics, uh, or more likely chemo plus uh, immunotherapy. Uh, and we do think that immunotherapy works better the earlier in treatment you get it with lung cancer um, and, and, of course, with the lower disease burden. So I think that these studies in Power 110 and Checkmate 153 um, uh, tell us uh, not a whole lot uh, new. Maybe Checkmate 153 adds the most new information. Um, but we talk about all the time, you know, you have your students, your learners do journal club, and they end by saying more studies needed. Well, these are these extra studies that augment what we already know and enrich our knowledge a little bit further. And so they're useful uh, for us to talk about, even though they're not, they're not necessarily changing care and changing practice. Although uh, you might see some of these folks based on Empower 110 who could get a tizolizumab by itself when they would not have been candidates for pembrolizumab by itself. That may be the the biggest thing that would change moving forward, especially since atizolumab is already uh, FDA approved. It's already on the market. Uh, doesn't necessarily have this specific indication for first line treatment, but uh, you know, it will probably come someday down the line. Uh, and until we're down the line, uh, I want to let you know. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNib. Follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at AquafarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.